0: Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply.
1: Selling your car on cars.com is so easy. It's like the dealer is in your own backyard. It's all done in three simple steps. One, enter your car's details to get the best offer instantly. Two, confirm with a local dealer. And three, receive a check on the spot or use the value to trade in your car. Cars.com is magical. Click or tap to sell your car on cars.com today
0: and welcome in everybody like i said this is forging the falcons i'm scott kennedy coming to you from atlanta and we are going to be talking a lot of the pro football focus unit rankings that i've seen for uh for the atlanta falcons and across the rest of the nfl we can discuss some of those who we may agree with may not agree with who's right who's wrong what's some room for improvement and and again we'll touch a little bit on the outlook of uh of the Falcons for the season we'll go about 40 minutes or so today depending on how things go uh how active the chat is and see and uh seeing how things are going including saying good morning to some folks who are starting to roll in like Jeremy Sean good morning Scott flying solo this morning yes yes I am I think we've got plenty to talk about though rather than just one unit uh we'll talk about several units the EWI guys coming in from London good afternoon everyone I raise my Chelsea mug to you and say good morning and take a sip probably a little too hot um ej coming in saying good morning uh scott and nick let's talk some football um nick is is busy today with some family obligations so keep keep nick in your thoughts he will not be here he'll be here next week uh and big al saying i finally got to caught this show the start of the show i can listen to you on my ride to savannah Well, good i'm glad uh glad we'll hopefully make depending on how far you're going that can be a a long drive it's uh it's not West Coast big, but Georgia's a big state. We get about you can go about five hours, five five and a half hours, corner to corner. Um, you know, and considering in five hours I can almost be in Ohio, uh, going north. It's a it's a good sized state. It's actually Georgia is the biggest state east of the Mississippi. Um, if you throw in all of the lakes, Florida hasn't beat, but for land area, Georgia is the biggest state uh east of the mississippi and um it like i said when you go from you go from corner to corner you go from ringgold to savannah you're going to spend some time in uh in the car so drive safe out there big Al, and uh look forward to hearing from you so as you're coming in people are starting to roll in make sure you hit that like button the the falcons fan group starting to come in uh hit that like and share and it it helps us find more falcons fans more nfl fans i know i picked up a bunch of uh, of bears subscribers last week. And I had a lot of fun with uh, the tape never lies network last week. So, um, you know, if you're a fan of another team, there's lots of crossover from Broncos to bears, to bills, to Falcons, saints, Panthers, I'm happy to talk all of them, but today we're going to focus on forging the Falcons. We'll talk about the unit rankings. Uh, and I'm going to start from the Falcons highest rankings and start working my way down. Uh, Unfortunately, the ones that the the PFF so far has done wide receivers, offensive line, uh, running backs and defensive line, you know, so some pretty, they have what they haven't done so far is is quarterback, which, you know, unit rankings for quarterbacks are kind of silly. Just rank the starter after that. It doesn't really matter. Uh, They haven't done secondary, which would probably be the Falcon's strongest group. uh, If I'm looking at it with AJ Terrell, Casey Hayward. Uh, Isaiah Oliver, um, and then the safeties are a little bit of a question. But, you know, Jalen Hawkins is okay, and then, you know, Richie Grant would not get a good grade, but there's there's higher hopes for him. So I think secondary, when all is said and done, will be the biggest, the highest-ranked group for the Atlanta Falcons. At least that's where I'd put them. Uh, and I know PFF likes, uh, really likes A.J. Terrell a lot. But unfortunately for the Falcons, when you're looking on here, and it says uh, – the, the highest ranking of the ones that are so far is the wide receivers. Okay. Well, why is that a problem, Scott? Well, the problem is, is the highest, and it's not wide receivers. I'm sorry. It's receivers. So it's receivers and tight ends. Um, it's the pass catchers. The highest ranking is the, the pass catchers, and they're 27th on the unit, unit rankings. 27th in the NFL as the highest ranking. Um, obviously we know we've lost, uh, some, some big time names here in, in Atlanta with Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, uh, Russell Gates turned into a decent name coming in, but then you got Kyle Pitts who had a really good year and was a pro bowler as a rookie. So Drake London, unproven rookie has some talent. So if you're asking me, at the end of last season, where would you rank the Atlanta Falcons wide receivers core? Well, I think 30, 31, 32 would have been fair. You know, when Russell Gage is your is your number 1, um Kyle Pitts is still on the ascent. The the lower would be fair. But now you ask yourself, have they gotten better? Kyle Pitts is a is a proven commodity now. He's a pro bowler. Uh, Drake London an unproven commodity, but we've seen rookies come in and have a lot of success early. is is Drake London an upgrade on on Russell Gage? Maybe. I would say yes. I would I want to come out I want to come out of this and say yes. I know Russell Gage just got a, a you know a 14 million dollar contract from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, but Russell Gage was a three at best. Maybe a two, may, but I'm, I'm going with a good three option, which is what he'll probably be down in Tampa. A really good third option. And he was forced to be the number one receiver in, in Atlanta. Drake London has a skill set to be a legit number one receiver in the NFL. That's why you take him in the top 10. Um, but PFF says the team has done a good job of at least putting some building blocks in place with first round picks at tight end, Kyle Pitts and wide receiver Drake London. So I ask, you know, is it really a good job when you're spending top 10 draft picks, (laughs) it's like, okay, you know, those guys don't have any choice. It's not even like you're recruiting a free agent. It's like, oh, they did a really good job of using their high draft picks on that position. Well, it had to go somewhere. So that said, though, you're not always going to get a hit. And Kyle Pitts looks like a hit. We'll remain to see where Drake London is. So when I look at wide receivers at 27, I might say I want to move. I keep saying wide receivers, forgive me, I'm going to type take this on my notes and just say to pass catchers uh i'm going to change this in my notes to pass catchers because well you know kyle pitts actually did play a lot of wide receiver but if i've got a pro bowler in my group a 21 year old pro bowler in my group how many teams can say that you know how many teams can say that if you can surround him with competency i think you should be better than 27 uh lameda had a decent year he'll be back drake london should put up the similar numbers to what the top rookies have done in the past, which could be around 800 yards, uh, 800 900 yards. I think would be about right for him. Um, maybe knocking on the door, rookie of the year. I think that might be just a little low for the uh, Atlanta Falcons at 27 with the receivers you spent. Again, you did. You've spent a four. You've spent an eight. If you've got two really good receivers, uh, one, of them's a, one of them is already one of them is proven. He's a Pro Bowler and Kyle Pitts. One of them is another six-five, you know, four-five guy who you spent, who was the number one receiver taken in this draft. He had you had him ranked number one on your board, where six of them go in the top twenty. You took him first, uh, and he's gonna he's an automatic starter. So I might go just a little bit higher on the pass catchers in the receiving room with the tight ends than than twenty-seven on that. So some more folks coming in the chat want to say hello real quick. Dom coming in, Dom Hammer. Haromio coming in, saying good morning, Scott. Good morning, Shane Sargent Saying, uh, good morning. The dog days of off season are upon us, man. It it sure feels like it. Golly, usually say the dog days are the two a days uh, in August. You know, especially down here in the south when we're doing you know eight in the morning and something in the afternoon. Uh, when it was you know August, it feels like August outside right now. It it certainly feels like August right now. Uh, Travis Weber coming in on Facebook saying good morning, Scott. Good morning, Travis. And Dom Double Dipping coming in on, uh, I was like, I feel like I remember you more from a Facebook guy. Um, and James Hyatt coming in. Uh, good morning, Scott and Forging the Falcons. And, uh, James says, I must say, I like your background choices when you do these. They look professional. Um, I have a good, uh, green screen setup. I actually, uh, I, I warned Chad when he got one. He said what size he got. And, um, I said, that's about half of what you need. Whatever you think you need in size for a green screen, multi- green screen multiply it by about four. Because um, if I go back, let's see. We like to talk about wingspan, right? I got a six-foot wingspan, and it keeps getting bigger and bigger. It's about 15 feet of wall painted behind me. So when you're talking about doing a green screen, plenty of lights. That's why my forehead's always nice and shiny. And uh and then use a lot more space. But thanks, James. Um, my wall, my wife said <laughs> my wife's not happy that I painted a wall in my office green, but hey, it's my office. So uh I did paint it nice and green. So the wide receivers, uh, wide receivers, tight ends, pass catchers. I think 27 is a little bit low. Unfortunately, that's the highest ranked unit of the four. That's the scary part. So uh, the next unit that we move on, like I said, I'm going to climb up the ladder a little bit or actually go down the ladder. Um, the offensive line of the four was actually the next lowest ranked or next highest ranked at number 28. Um, so PFF thinks the Falcons have the 28th best offensive line unit. Um, I think as a unit, I think that's okay. Um, I actually think it's just based on your line is only as good as your weakest link. I think it might actually be a little bit generous. Um, but they say uh, Jake Matthews and Chris Lindstrom are quality starters, but there are still quality ho- glaring holes along the offensive line. The most unfortunate culprit is first former first-round pick Caleb McGarry. He yielded 41 pressures on the right side last year. See, that's where uh, it makes me a little bit nervous. Caleb McGarry's not the biggest glaring hole on the offensive line. He is a huge, literally huge, he's about 6'8", huge problem. 41 pressures from the right side. Good Lord. Matt Ryan, God bless you. I, I can't believe Matt We should never, ever, ever taken for granted the durability that Matt Ryan has had in a 14-year season playing behind this offensive line. I mean, I know it wasn't always this offensive line, um, but... It's never exactly been a strength of the unit. Um, but Caleb McGarry is not even the biggest problem. Caleb McGarry's just bad. I mean, he's he's just bad. Jalen Mayfield is a rookie. And again, I don't place any blame on Jalen Mayfield. It's not his fault that he wasn't ready to play left guard as a starting left guard. He had 16 starts at Michigan at right tackle. Left to right tackle. But he was drafted to actually put pressure on Caleb McGarry at right tackle. They quickly realized, hey, this isn't the best place for him. We need to put him at guard. And he was as graded and, you know, by, I call it, you know, seat of the pants analytics. The eye test tells you he was terrible. The analytics from PFF and the grading says that he literally, of guys that had enough snaps to be to be qualifiers, had the worst pass block grade in the entire NFL. Any position, any any uh, any lineman, tackle, guard, center. Jalen Mayfield was the worst pass block grade in the entire NFL. So when we're talking about, they're talking about Caleb McGarry being the main culprit. No, he wasn't. He wasn't the main culprit, but you've got two of those guys. Matthews is okay. Jake Matthews is okay. Now he's way too expensive for being okay. He's serviceable. He's getting top five offensive tackle money for top five offensive tackle money. I want Tony Baselli, Orlando Pace, Jonathan Ogden out there. I want those guys. I want, you know, Anthony Munoz. Uh, he, we got meh. That's what the Falcons got at left tackle. And and frankly, that makes him one of the better players. Move over to left guard, uh, Jalen Mayfield. I just talked about Jalen Mayfield. Just, he was just terrible. And again, it's not his fault. He's 20 years old. He had 16 starts in college and was thrown into the fire at left guard. He's got a chance to take a, a step up. I, I really, I'm really hoping that for him, for the Falcons quarterbacks and running games, because Mike Davis got a lot of stick for not having a very good season when he's not the type of back to try and make guys miss and break tackles in the, in the offensive backfield. Uh, he's a downhill runner, and he never, ever got started. Center Matt Hennessy was okay. PFF really liked him, but, you know, the eye test told you he was getting bullied in the trenches by some of the bigger interior linemen. Right guard Clint, Chris Lindstrom's good, should be a pro bowler. Chris Lindstrom is a very good player, picked up his option. He'll get an extended contract. Uh, he is very good. The problem is McGarry on the right side is terrible. So with the unit rankings, uh, you know, they're talking about possibly penciling in uh, Afridi, the the former Chicago Bears player. And being on the, uh, the Chicago Bears uh, podcast last Friday for 90 minutes... Uh, which I had a blast with. They were just like, "Oh boy, good luck with the freedom." I'm like, "Well, you haven't seen McGarry play." Uh, that's the the scary part. Is this this could be an upgrade, but the problem is it's not definitely an upgrade. And we're talking about a fourth year for McGarry. I've given up on this guy. He's 26, 27 years old. It's not like he is a 21 year old rookie. So, offensive line units of being 28 might be a little generous if you take into account. The offensive line is only as good as its weakest link in pass protection because it only takes one defender to wreck a play. Just one. And when you've got two gaping holes on the offensive line, it's a scary situation for the offense. And it was last year. It, it was. Um, so, you know, say in 28th, that, that might be a little bit high for them. I think they're a bottom three unit based on the fact that they have not gotten better in the trenches and they had two glaring holes on the offensive line and Jalen Mayfield and Caleb McGarry. All right, moving up just a notch, actually moving down, moving down a little bit, was the running backs group. You know, I mentioned running backs, defensive line, offensive line, and uh, pass catchers, the receiving units. And I'm going from highest ranked to lowest ranked. Unfortunately, the highest ranked was 27th, which was the pass catcher room, which again I think that was a little low, uh, to 29th for the running back room. Now, they do give credit to Cordero Patterson. He says it was a revelation last season as an offensive weapon with 294, as offensive snaps came in the backfield. However, what they do say is by how he was graded, he was actually graded much better when he was a, a receiver. But the thing is you can be a receiver out of the backfield. So as they say, despite that shift to more playing time in the running back alignments, Patterson was still much more dangerous as a receiver with a 91.4 pro football focus receiving grade compared to a 64.7 rushing grade. Well, it says as a receiver, not lined up at wide receiver. So as a pass-catching running back, he had a 92 grade. Okay, well, he's still playing from the running back position. He's still lined up behind the the quarterback, right? So I, I take a little bit of issue with that one. Cordero Patterson was extremely fun to watch last year. And uh, you got to love the fact when he comes back and signs his contract, he says, you know, F the money. This is where I want to be, man. Good for him and and good for Falcons fans, because this could be a really rough year and having someone like that, uh, you know, who is fun to watch. He does everything with this megawatt smile that just lights up Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And he plays with such passion that I don't want that to be sucked away from him by struggling for a, a poor team. but." Cordell Patterson was really good, really good last year from the running back position, even if more of his his danger came as a receiver out of the backfield. That's okay. You know, I grew up watching, you know, Roger Craig and Wendell Tyler in the 49ers dynasties in the eighth. They caught a lot of passes out of the backfield. They were still tailbacks, they were still uh, pretty good. Uh, But it says Atlanta will be leaning on Damian Williams, uh, free agent signing, and rookie Tyler Algier to pick up some of the slack on the ground. I know Nick, who isn't here today, was really high on Tyler Algier, and one of the reasons it was really high on him was because of his bowling ball-like ability to break tackles. Well, hello, I'm going to need a pile mover. You're not going to find a lot of open space behind this offensive line right now. You know, Unless it's just Gels and Marcus Mariota and the RPO and and the stuff that they're able to do, you're going to have to scheme your way into being able to get clean looks from the offensive backfield. So having a guy that can run downhill a little bit, get get there a little bit quicker than Mike Davis, who was a patient, strong runner, but where Patterson had more success, he attacked every carry he had like it was a kickoff return. All pro kickoff returner, no surprise there. But in the days of the wedge, you basically just run at the wedge and hope somebody could break the wedge for you and you could run right on through that. That's kind of how Cordero Patterson ran the ball. And you needed that because you needed, you couldn't pick and wait and be patient And find your spots because there weren't spots. They were collapsing down on you. So uh, Tyler Algier could be a really good pick for the Atlanta Falcons, Uh, a really good one. But it's at the running back at at number 29, Cordero Patterson, who is an X Factor, a Pro Bowl caliber, X Factor type weapon. Will he have the type of season he did last year? Maybe not, but he doesn't have to to still be really, really good. Uh, Algier and Damian Williams, that's not bad. It's not bad. I, I, you know, to have them at 29th, I, I would think that you could do, you could move them up just a little bit. The skill players at 29. Again, my, my big questions with the Falcons aren't the, necessarily the skill players. I've kind of said skill players don't matter when you're this bad in the trenches, but the offensive line concerns me a hell of a lot more than the running back room. I'll tell you that. Make you fumble comes in and says, I still think we need better defensive tackles to stop the run. We'll get to that one. Uh, And then uh, Jamal comes in, says, good morning, Savannah, Georgia. Stand up and rise up. They say players that played a different position in their rookie year, take a big jump the second year at the same position. I think Mayfield will be better. I agree. Again, that's why I keep mentioning uh, Jamal. 16 tackle, 16 starts at offensive tackle in college. 16. He played more. He started more games this rookie season in the NFL than he did his entire time in college. And he was drafted at 20 years old. So that's why I keep bringing that part up. Um, Richie Grant scares me a little bit because he's already 24, going to turn 25, I think, this year. He's no kid. You know, Kyle Pitts had his first start at 20. I think he's got a September birthday, a late September birthday. He, he entered the NFL, played his first time in the NFL at 20 years old. I, I think um, someone could look it up for me. This is what I normally do in the background. Jalen Mayfield, I think, turned. Uh, right around the draft, but I think he finished his time at Michigan at 20 years old. It's a grown man's game. I mean, he's nowhere near where he's going to be, so I think he can take that jump up in his second year, third, fourth, and fifth year if he gets them, but he's got to show improvement enough to, you know, if, if he wasn't on the field this year, I'd be okay with that. Like I said, it's not his fault that he wasn't ready. It's not his fault. That is a failure of the Atlanta Falcons to not upgrade the left guard position and I'm not placing that blame on Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith either. They know when you're talking about dealing with 70, <clears throat> 70 million in dead cap space this year. Um, you know, Mayfield wasn't a guy that they drafted to play right away. Again, he's 20. Go get a 24 year old. You know, go get one of those six year guys from BYU who's a, already a grown man. If you want somebody to play right away on the interior line uh with a a lower round pick he wasn't drafted to play right away he was forced into that position so Jamal I I agree with you appreciate the comment big Al comes in he says I think the running game is going to be uh way better um than last than last year I would assume and better than that than 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 29. I think the running game gets better this year too one you got to account for the quarterback uh that that's a big deal now the passing game could take a step back um Desmond Ritter if he's playing Marcus Mariota the presumed starter definitely better runners I watched Marcus Mariota in high school a lot the first time I got to see him was uh the offense defense all-American game over in South Carolina and the two quarterbacks there it's funny how things work out the Army All-American Bowl and the Under Armour Bowl are the two glitzy glamour um a uh all-star games for the high school guys well the two quarterbacks at the offense defense game over at Myrtle Beach where I went um I went to to that one was uh, was Johnny Manziel and Marcus Mariota a couple of Heisman Trophy winners a couple first round picks and they outperformed anybody else at those other games so funny how that works sometimes um the running game should be better this year um without a doubt you're gonna miss Lee Smith the big blocking tight end there's a miss the offensive line almost has to get better. Almost has to. I say that about the edge rusher and Steven Means. It's almost st- statistically impossible to be that bad. It's got to get better just by default. Um, you've got a, a a running threat at quarterback who will get you some yards. You've got three uh, three running backs you can count on. In Williams, Patterson, and Algier. And uh, you've got a second year with the scheme. I think, I think Arthur Smith will be able to do a little bit more that he likes to do uh play calling wise with his second year, uh, with uh, the mobility at quarterback. Um, I, I think he'll be able to see a little bit more out of that. So uh and, and Jamal coming back in, say it's true. Richie Grant played out of position his rookie season. Uh, I think he'll be ready and better at safety. And Dean Pace likes him, but you do have a point. He's a little older, but Ridley came in older as well. Yeah, I know. Uh I mentioned that as well. In fact, I think you can credit me with making sure everybody knew that he was a 24-year-old rookie. Um, he was a, a, a double holdback guy who aged out of high school, who turned 20 his senior year and was not allowed to p- finish his senior year because he had already turned 20. Um, Richie's about that old with the COVID stuff and getting an extra year and, and those type of things. Richie is an older guy too. Um that doesn't bother me so much about a guy maybe in the second and later rounds, but using a first round pick on that. And then the way Ridley screwed up, he got, he's cost himself so much money because he'll be 30 by the time he's able to get back in the league and sign another contract. He's cost himself two hundred million dollar contracts for God's sakes. Um, just it's a shame. It's a shame what he's, he's done. It's a shame what he's to the Falcons and, Frankly, I wasn't high. I haven't been real high on all the wide receiver picks, anyway. It seems like uh, Falcons are turning to the Detroit Lions, where they can never draft enough wide receivers. But I digress. Uh, make you fumble. Let's let's finish. Let's finish up these these unit rankings here real quick, and then I uh, want to make sure you get some questions in because uh, there's a lot of stuff going on. You know, mini camps opened up. You know, what do you think about position battles? Uh, I'm, I'm up for all of those. Going to need your help, or uh, you know, I'm going to have to cut it a little short. Um, I'm going to need some some interaction. Um, but make fumble. He came in earlier and he says, uh, I still think we need better defensive tackles to stop the run. Um, yes. <laughs> the defensive line unit for the Atlanta Falcons, and they actually included edges in this. So it's really a front five was ranked 32nd. D- DFL dead last uh, in the NFL. And, and frankly, I don't have a problem with that, but Scott, you just said, uh, one pro bowler and Kyle Pitts, Yeah, but that's a little different with a receiver. It's easier to scheme out a defensive lineman than it is, uh, than it is one wide receiver. Um, I'll never forget the clip. It was a home game and I'll have to, I'll have to look it up and retweet it. Um, make sure you're following me at scout Kennedy. Um, you know, Grady Jarrett, he's mic'd up. And he has three guys on him. And I think he comes up and he says, damn, y'all, y'all don't have anybody else to block. And I, it was like rhetorical. I'm like, no.
1: Selling your car on cars.com is so easy. It's like the dealer is in your own backyard. It's all done in three simple steps. One, enter your car's details to get the best offer instantly. Two, confirm with a local dealer. And three, receive a check on the spot or use the value to trade in your car. Cars.com. Magical. Click or tap to sell your car on cars.com today.
0: No, they don't. I can triple team Grady Jarrett because the rest of this is the rest of this line is. It's bad. It's so bad. Um, you know, I just saw Mike Pennell uh, just signed with uh, with the Bears. OK, back. That was a guy was a starter for the Falcons last year, you know, making veteran minimum money uh, The edge rushers. You know, Steven means God bless him had two quarterback hits the entire season and they came in the same game, not a sack and like a tackle for loss. That's, that's impossible. <laughs> you can't start 14 games at edge and not get a tackle for loss. There's a, you know, someone's going to blow an assignment, something. I mean, anything I snip out a screen pass. It's that's statistically impossible. Um, PFF says Atlanta took some steps to make things better this offseason by bringing in Lorenzo Carter and and Arnold Ebichetti. And here's the rub, y'all. You know, we all get excited about, hey, you know, everything's better. We brought in some new players and our draft picks look good. Everybody does that. 32 teams are excited about the players they brought in right now. That is not, we get into our own little bubbles and think we're the only ones making moves. So I look at this and say, uh, you know, what they say is, but relying on a second round rookie and a fifth year edge rusher who's never earned a PFF pass rushing grade about 62 as the top two options of the position still isn't a spot you want to be in as a defense, you know, forget the, the, the pass rushing grade over 62. That's, you know, I've seen, you know, Pat Sertan was ranked like the 39th best corner in the league last year, and he'd probably get drafted top 10 if they were drafting across the entire NFL right now. So the grade doesn't bother me as much as the lack of production and the, the the multiple teams. It's a it's a journeyman guy, Lorenzo Carter. He's coming home. He had a nice finish to the season last year, but you know he is who he is. Is he even an upgrade on Dante Fowler? Maybe, maybe. But there's you know Dante Fowler's probably making more money than Lorenzo this year. So who knows? And then you got a couple of exciting edge rushers, uh, D'Angelo Malone, who I highlighted oh, i screwed up so bad on uh, the the buffalo podcast i was on last time they got uh, they got dominique robinson and i had two smaller school guys edge guys senior bowl guys and i mix them up in my mind it's the, it's d'angelo malone and i'm talking just raving about d'angelo malone yeah he's a he's a falcon y'all but i am raving about d'angelo malone i really like him um nick really likes arnold libichetti you got better at edge like i said it would be almost impossible to not have improved on Steven means production. Steven means is a veteran locker room presence. He has no business being a starter in the NFL and no offense to Steven means I'm sorry if you end up listening to this, but you, you did a job. Thank you. But uh, you know, the production just wasn't there. The Falcons have to get better production out of that edge spot The The fact that they had the were 18th, uh, I'm sorry, not 18th. They were dead last. They were 32 in sacks with 18 sacks. The next lowest at 31 was 29. I've said this before, how crazy that is to think that I could bring in, I could have Arnold Ebicchetti come in and get me 10 sacks as a rookie, just be flat out freaking phenomenal and still finish last in the NFL in sacks. That's how bad this unit was last year on the whole and getting pressure on the quarterback. You know, and A.J. Terrell is, that just tells you how good the, the, the A.J. Terrell was in the secondary. Um, you know, that he was able to at least lock guys up, man, you've got the secondary back, the corners back there with Isaiah Oliver, Hayward, Terrell, safeties need to step up, but man, any semblance of, if you can go from 32 to 25 best unit, if I can get 18, I mean, just think if I get 18 sacks, if I double that and just become bad and 36 sacks, it's an extra sack a game, this, this team gets so much better. So, The defensive line at 32, even with Grady Jarrett, even with two draft picks, even with signing Lorenzo Carter, the defensive line at 32. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it is. It was unbelievably, literally, it's, it's unbelievably how bad it was. Just like when I tell people the Atlanta Falcons have about 70 million in dead cap money right now, not seven, about 60 million. And whatever they do with Deion Jones, it could move up to 70. It's a 220 million salary cap. Go to Spot Rack, find your team, sort it by salary cap numbers, and pull $70 million off the roster. Go do it. Go, go. If you're listening to this and you're a fan of another team, go, oh my God, how do I cut $70 million off of this roster? That's what the Falcons are playing with this year. They're playing with a $70 million hole, $60 million. I'm kind of thinking something happens with Deion Jones. Um, and he that moves up to seventy. So go find sixty. Go find sixty million dollars to pull off your roster. How many players does it take for you to be able to do that and still field a competitive team? You you can't. Um, so thirty-two, I think, is fair. Uh, you know these. And, and again, just trying to reset some expectations for going in because again, I like I like Arthur Smith. I think he did a phenomenal job winning seven games with all of these handicaps last year. And I think the Falcons could take a step back. I want him to make sure to get year three to show some improvement. Rock bottom, 2022. Bounce back in 2023, get the arrow going that way. But you're talking about your receiver room at 27. Your offensive line at a generous 28. Your running back, 29. Mm, I, I like them a little bit better than that. And a defensive line unit grade of a legit 32. So I, I think the skill player should have been ranked a little higher. 32 at defensive line is well-earned, and I think 28 is actually a little high. I think that should begin with a three. Uh, We are 32 minutes in. Appreciate y'all being here. I want to hit some of the questions in the chat here real quick. Um, Let's see. I did talk to (laughs) make you fumble. Ridley is an idiot. Um, Yeah. uh, No more Alabama wide receivers. Uh, Alabama wide receivers have done pretty good. You know, there's there's several I'd take. Amari Cooper. uh, Julio Jones was darn good, even if they it was the wrong move at the time for that team. Uh, you know, coming off a 13 and 3 season with all kinds of weapons, giving up 48 points without making Aaron Rodgers punt in the playoffs as a number 1 seed and your your reaction was to spend to give up five high draft picks on a wide receiver. That was moronic. That was moronic. Julio Jones was great, arguably the greatest Atlanta Falcon of all time, but that was a moronic move and they never reached the heights of 13 and three again they got hot and went to a super bowl and lost because they couldn't stop anybody or run the run the ball again uh you know they got to an nfc championship game in julio's second or third year and lost because they couldn't run the ball or stop anybody when it mattered uh but a 13 and three team and that was your reaction that was moronic um but they're i'm not gonna i'm not gonna hold it against just uh alabama wide receivers that's for sure um going down here a little bit. Uh, EJ says, um, do you think Marcus Mariota can carry this offense or will Desmond Ritter become the starter by week four? Uh, EJ, I don't know that Marcus Mariota can carry this offense, um, but I also don't think Desmond Ritter will become the starter by week four. I think Marcus Mariota is in place for a little while. And if he's serviceable, there's no reason to rush Ritter out there. Um, That said, if the season is going... south, you know, where we we think it could be. And you know, you're sitting at one and seven. As long as it's not act, you know, hurting Ritter. Again, I don't want him out there getting killed and and just breaking the poor kid so that he can never become anything. It wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to one, find out what you've got, get him out there, two, showcase him for a trade. You know, if you're sitting there at three and fourteen next season and you're drafting one or two, you've got a shot at um at bryce younger cj stroud two of the top quarterbacks in the draft you've got your chance for your franchise quarterback in the draft um and then if you've shown that ritter can be somebody you can move him you can get more draft capital back for him and if he turns out to be awesome great now I, if i've got the one or two picks i can trade it for a haul i'll move back and get three first round picks for a rebuilding team with 100 million dollars in cap room that would be awesome so the worst case really for this team is kind of, would be kind of like last year to be bad, but to eke out a few wins, fool yourself into thinking you're in a playoff contention, fool the fans and think, hey, we're at 500, we're only a game out of a playoff spot, and finish 7 and 10 and draft 8th or ninth, 10th, you know, somewhere between 8th and 12th, where they were last year, but they got moved up to the 8th spot because they had the easiest record in the NFL. That would be the worst case scenario for this team. Uh, if they, if, if they were in there and didn't get into one of those really premier draft positions that could be available next year. So I don't think Marcus Mariota is going to carry it. It's going to take, if he can shepherd it and, and be efficient and, and do some stuff with his legs. Um, I think that'll be a a good year for him, but he's a placeholder right now. He, He is, he's a placeholder. Um, Jamal talking about Stephen means Lord, Stephen means, you know, that sounds like a wrestler. Um, he's a good guy, but you know, shake my head. The joke is smack my head. He definitely a practice well player that started on the Falcons because our pass rush was so bad. Yeah. Again, it's not his fault. I when if a player is, has a good attitude and is trying his best, I am not going to get on them. I'll say, Hey, listen, he wasn't good enough, but I've got nothing against Steven means he, it wasn't his fault that that was the, that he was out there that's the fault of Thomas Dimitrov. Um, that, that, that the cupboard was that bare, And not only is the cupboard bare, we're broke. Um, yeah, we don't have any money to go grocery shopping. We're starving and we're broke. Great. That's a, that's a really good way to be. So, um, yeah, he, he struggled mightily. Um, Cody Lambert comes in and says, do you think Brian Edwards will have a good year with the Falcons? You know, Edwards had a pretty good year. Let me look up his numbers real quick. He had a pretty good year uh, last year. So he's not quite a you know a journeyman. He's only a second-year guy. Uh, Third-round draft picked uh, out of South Carolina. And last year, he had 34 catches, 571 yards, and three touchdowns. So he's a 6'3", 212-pound, big-bodied receiver. Yeah, I think that's a solid pickup. I do. Again, another reason why I think – you know, to say that the receiver room that includes uh, Kyle Pitts is 27th, you know, Brian Edwards might not be, you know, the, the uh, Calvin Ridley coming into Julio Jones, but if he's the, a good third option and Drake London, it becomes a, a solid number two, and Pitts is a, a, we already know Pitts is a legit number one target. Wide receiver room's better. The receiver room, including the tight ends, is better than 27th. I, I do believe that, and it, and it ought to be. You've spent enough draft capital trying to make it so. Uh, Dave coming in on YouTube saying good morning, Scott, and uh, DWI guys. AJ Terrell is a star. Thank you so much for the support coming in orange with our super on the day. Said so AJ Terrell is a star. Um, you know what, Ethan, you're the star. So those, thank you so much for our, your your support of the show. What we're doing here on Wednesday, AJ Terrell is a star, and he's not only just a star. He's young. He's going to be expensive. That's okay. Um, you know, there was a time in the not too distant past that you know people that get on Arthur Blank for anything never lived through the Smith family. You grab a sip of coffee, real quick. The Smith family did not <clears throat> invest anything into this team, into this franchise. Um, they played in Atlanta Fulton County Stadium, which was you know one of those multi purpose stadiums. Um, and any player worth his weight and salt would would, would get out, you know, they, they left. You know, Deion Sanders probably retires a Falcon if Arthur Blank is uh, was the owner at the time. Um, AJ Terrell will get taken care of. He's going to be expensive. He's going to be super expensive, but not yet. Not yet. I think he can get, he was just in his second year last year. You can get three more years of him. Enjoy it. Build around him uh, because AJ Terrell is a star. He absolutely is. Rusty Harness coming on Facebook. It feels like a newer name. Rusty, I uh, appreciate you coming in on Facebook. Uh, I think with teams cap coming back next season, do you think these one-year contract players will come out hungry for better contract next season? Rusty, to be perfectly honest, I think most of the one-year guys will be gone. Um, They are there because they were affordable, not because they were someone you want to build with. But yeah, anybody on a one-year deal is going to play their butts off. They're going to do their best to try and earn a contract. It might not be with the Falcons next year. Um, but if they do great, if they can earn another contract, but again, the Falcons, once you start xing out different money, it doesn't say they've got that much now, but they could come out with a hundred million dollars next year. Um, you know, considering that they're here at a minus 70 this year to be plus 100, it's like a net gain of $170 million. Good God, the math on that. It's just, it's, it's mind boggling that it got this bad. It really did. It's, it's mind boggling how bad it got. Um, So I think most of the guys on one year deals. Yeah. They're playing for another contract, but they're not necessarily playing for another contract with the Atlanta Falcons. Now, if the Atlanta Falcons are able to squeeze a little extra juice out of them this year, because they want, they're playing on their one year deal. Good for them. But Atlanta has been shopping in the bargain bin basement of one year guys who couldn't get multi-year guaranteed deals. And the falcons will be shopping in the next level up next two or three levels up to try and build that roster they're not going to have to go and get you know someone who couldn't cut it for the chicago bears to try and compete for their bust first round pick at right tackle you know they'll they'll be able to spend some money and upgrade the position they, they won't be going for um you know looking at people's practice squads to find a, a nose guard uh who was it? anthony rush you know came in anthony rush did a fine job um 340 pounds they'll be they'll be looking for you know an established veteran even if it's four or five million dollars seventy million dollars I can get 13 of those guys and bring them in 14 of those guys 15 of those guys at five million a year for goodness sakes I can put all kinds of it like I said it's crazy that it got that bad uh what did not get bad is Mark schrader coming in from Texas coming in orange with a, a very very generous super chat and donation you're the man mark thank you so much saying good morning good morning to you. Good morning to you as well. If it's 98 in Metro Atlanta, Texas has to be miserable. (laughs) Texas, Texas has to be miserable for sure. Um, and then Dave says, what will be the defining situation in this rebuild? Um, that's a good question. Um, what will be the defining situation? I think the defining situation to me, it's already happened that they were the defining situation in this rebuild was moving on from matt ryan that was the defining moment in this rebuild was that you were willing to rip the band-aid off eat the dead cap money in 2022 and come out swinging in 2023 that defining moment has already happened now what are you going to be able to do with your salary cap money how is this draft going to impact your team because last draft on the whole was fairly disappointing so far early returns i get it you know i'm not jumping to conclusions on Jalen Mayfield and Richie Grant, uh, among other guys, but I'd like to see more from them this year for sure. Um, so, the defining moment for this Atlanta Falcons rebuild has already happened, and it was moving on for Matt Ryan. And while they got there through a bad way, you know, for those of us who have been in, you know, who have made mistakes and, and learned from them and come out the, the other direction, flirting with uh, Deshaun Watson. Cost you Matt Ryan, but it needed to happen. It it needed to happen. Um, you know, I've been in relationships. Man, that that girl just, ugh, I I I, I she treated me like crap. I'm like, you know what? But she got me away from this other one who I couldn't stand. So it worked out well. So uh that needed to happen. That was the defining moment in this rebuild, Dave. It's it has already happened. Um and uh and Jamal says, I think our defense will go from bottom of the league to at least top 20, 17, 20th in offense, maybe 16, 20th Um if you look at the numbers, that's about where the defense finished last year. But it was, it was, um, it was deceptive because Arthur Smith did everything to slow the game down, to limit possessions, and try and keep his, you know, make people earn it slowly and kick field goals, and maybe I can get it, keep it close. When that didn't work, the Falcons got blown out. That's why the Falcons' negative uh, scoring difference was so huge. They won seven games, all one score games, all young way coup, kick and field goals, you know, uh, that type of thing at the end. But the the, the scoring differential, because if they didn't, weren't able to hold the team, uh, hold the teams and keep it slow, slow the game down, four corners basketball, they got blown out. Um, let me see. Got some plenty of chats coming. I've got about five more minutes for I need to head over to beckoning the Broncos on mile high huddle. Um, It's time for this organization to morph into a defensive team. And Dave, you know, SEC country here, I'd love it, but I feel like there's no such thing anymore. You know, it's, I was always a, you know, one of the phrases I used, I came up with when I was scouting uh, high school guys was there's no tight ends ever come from the South. How is that possible? Now I'm over-exaggerating. The best tight ends always came from the Midwest, the Northeast, California. Because if you are big and fast in the South, they put you on defense. The defensive ends, the edge rusher guys, if you are big and fast, if you are 6'5", 220 pounds in the South, your ass is going on defense. It's not playing tight end. It's changed. The game has changed. You're not allowed to play defense anymore. I'm not allowed to tackle. I'm not allowed to cover. And I'm not allowed to sack the quarterback. So I think things have changed a little bit um, in that uh, in that way. So um, Kevin Mapp says, I got nothing against Stephen Means. I've got nothing for Stephen Means earlier. You're paid to perform and um and, in the he didn't you know again i i agree with you on that one so um i agree with you on that one kevin um let me see here frank rozier um do you think our team is good enough to make the playoffs uh frank no i don't uh, i'm i'm sorry to say so but we did a, a prediction last couple weeks ago when the schedule came out and went down through it. and I, I i think i picked 3 and 14 I don't think it was 2 and 15, but I think I had the Falcons at 3 and 14. Uh, This team is much more likely to compete for a number one overall pick than they are to compete for a playoff spot, to have a realistic shot at a playoff spot. The Falcons went 7 and 10. They were 7 and 2 in one score games. Uh, That could flip. And that would have been 2 and 15 last year. They went backwards in just about every statistical category last year from, from, 2020, from 2020. They got worse, except in the wins column, which is the most important one, obviously. Duh, I know. But their offense was worse. You know, pass rush, time of possession, turnover margin, scoring differential, all got worse. It was smoke and mirrors, and it was a hell of a job by Arthur Smith, Matt Ryan, Young-Waiku, Cordero Patterson, kyle pitts uh foya uh, Luukon, a hell of a job to go out there and win uh, seven games so i uh i just i don't i don't see it and again i try and caution people on this just if i'm wrong i'm wrong great good for atlanta but don't take it out i just don't take it out on arthur smith and terry Fontenot. no this team is handicapped again 70 million dollars dead cap money 70 if you're a fan of another team, go to SpotRack and find $70 million to cut from your team and tell me how good your team's going to be this year. It would be uh, it would be definitely almost impossible. So let me say that to Chris. I'm going to say good to Michael. Uh, Michael Ranquia say, good morning, Scott. I'm forwarding the thumbs. Thank you, Michael. We'll see you over at Beck and the Broncos here in just a few minutes. And um, and Dave says, let's be honest, the elephant in the room next season is Coach Pease. Coach Pease might get fed up a end. event. He's like, I didn't come out of retirement to, to, you know, try and, 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 and go, you know, bake a cake with uh, with nothing but sugar packets and, you know, some, some sand that I got from the beach, you know, so they may, they may, they may change it. So Dean peace is an older guy. um But they've got a younger, even though I think last year aged Arthur Smith about 10 years, he's younger than I am. He's still a young coach. And then uh, Chris Walker, I'm going to say this uh, as we get out of here, our final one. He says, "Good morning, Scott. Well, Good morning, Chris. Coming in on Facebook. I hope that Carter winds up being a great pickup, and that we wind up with several steals in this year's draft. Think any undrafted free agents wind up being a pleasant surprise? I haven't, I haven't looked that closely at the undrafted free agents. I know the lacrosse player is definitely interesting. Um, and then, yeah, hopefully Carter will." Uh, will be a pleasant surprise he's got tools he's got talent he's got traits and the bar was set so low <laughs> that's a, and he's got low expectations um and, and and real quick i said it was the last one but with damski i don't think it's a far cry to say the deal will be better this year me neither i think the defense will definitely be better this year again you lose foyer lua but i love troy Anderson. Rashawn Evans is a solid pro. You know, who else did you lose? And you get back Isaiah Oliver coming back from Knee injury. Isaiah Oliver was playing great in the slot. And Casey Hayward is a massive, massive upgrade on Fabian Moreau. Huge. Fabian Moreau was god-awful last year. Horrible. Terrible. Yeah, good luck next year, though, Fabian. Thanks for trying hard. And see, this thing is like, he didn't try hard. That's that's why he, he, I'd watch him, you know, when they'd run a sweep outside watch him try and, and even, I would not even say seal an edge, like an edge rusher has to get the edge, but he basically let himself get blocked complete to the sidelines. I'm like, man, at least slow a guy down, clog a lane, do something. And that, that, that bothers me as a professional that bothers me. Um going to be uh, happy to see Casey Hayward out there. Casey Hayward is a massive upgrade on Moreau. Um, Arnold Ebichetti and, um, and D'Angelo Malone by default will be an upgrade on on uh, on Steven Means. I don't think you're going to lose a ton in Aloocon. I know he lets I I know how stupid that can sound when you're talking about a guy who led the league in tackles, but you know, he's 215 220 pounds You're bringing in bigger, faster, stronger uh at the linebacker position. So I uh I think um I think the team will get better and and, and Kevin Steve Amin said Moreau was horrible <laughs> uh yeah and, and the thing is I I wouldn't expect something like that from Steve Amin but if like Steve Amines was gone and he was complaining about people I could see him complaining about someone like Fabian Moreau because by God he didn't do his job on the edge he wasn't very good in coverage and he wouldn't even get in people's way at getting the running game it was so frustrating to watch people get a free pass around the around the corner so on that note Um, I'm going to let everybody get out of here. I appreciate you being here. I'm going to hop over to the mile high huddle, uh, channel on YouTube to watch Kim Becker and beckoning the Broncos. Nick will be back with us next week. If you're listening post fact, make sure you are, uh, you know, are you liking and subscribing and checking us out on YouTube, connect with us on Twitter, uh, at scout Kennedy. Um, and that's all I've got for you today. So I want to say everybody, thanks for being here and we will see you next time.